this is Tales of the Old Burying Ground. Stories inspired by the Dartmouth College Cemetery. I have been requested to enter in these sheets some reminiscences of our village, and I cheerfully comply. But the entries from circumstances not within my control must be irregular in date. William Worthington Dewey. The archivists at Dartmouth Special Collections Library light up when they hear the name William Dewey. Dewey lived in Hanover in its early days. He moved here in 1779 when he was two years old and the town was only 18. He lived in Hanover until 1860 and passed a year later in nearby Norwich, Vermont, at the age of 81. Dewey's remarkable for the journals he's left behind, recording the Hanover town history and the history of the Dartmouth College Cemetery. Professor Woodward was one of the first to settle in Hanover. Late one autumn night in 1770, there was scanty room for the shelter of the population, not enough for those already here even, and certainly none for him. He and some others constructed for the night a shanty of crotches and poles overlaid with boughs of trees. At a suitable hour, they turned in and seemed, for a while, very comfortable. Sometime in the night, however, a storm of wind and rain sprung up and in its violence prostrated their tent and caught them all under it. But the thunder and lightning Professor Woodward faced does not begin to compare with the events of July 3rd, 1790. Sabbath day. Jacob Foster was instantly killed. The awful vividness of the lightning and terrific crash of the thunder beggared all description. The electric fluid descended the chimney and passed along the floorboards, stunning the mother and a young man sitting right behind her. It tore to complete tatters a new pair of cowhide shoes which he was wearing and melted a pair of his brass shoe buckles. Explosion of a thousand cannons in quick succession would be faint compared to this thing. The bolt, so fatal to young Foster, fell not twenty rods from where I was sitting at home. As my eyes from weakness were closed, I didn't see the flash, yet I felt a severe electric shock that all but threw me out of my chair and threw a book in my hand several feet onto the floor. People thought about death differently back then. Not just in the sense that you hope every night there won't be a storm that zaps you, but death is a communal loss. At the peak of Dewey's time, Hanover had 700 people. Every person was somebody you knew someone you ran into at the market, or the town hall, or church. Dewey understood that, and took great interest in the cemetery. He kept a journal where he recorded the deaths of Hanover, titled 
list of deaths in the vicinity of Dartmouth College, including likewise the hamlet usually called Greensboro from A.D. 1769 to 1837. Catchy. It was more than a list, though. Dewey took the time to write down anecdotes about each person, how they died, and who it was the community lost. Through these stories, we get to see who made up Hanover and learn about the man behind the words as well. Franklin of Germany, a singular character likewise. One day, dining very hastily, he swallowed a very large piece of meat which caught in his throat and caused almost instant death. Miss Eliza Walker, a woman of color, but in high esteem. She possessed a strong mind and remarkable retentive memory. A close observer of the common happening of events, but always uncommonly apt. Custer was a man of piety in the village, respectable. Mr. John Drysdell, gored to death by an enraged bull with which he was contending. He was advised to desist, but being a headstrong, impudent man, he persisted. He was in apparent perfect health a minute before the happening. Dewey is definitely a product of his historical moment. We see his values through his writing. Piety, humility, rational, measured action. We see his racially suggestive language in the story of Miss Walker. We even see his humor in the story of Franklin, the German who took one too large a bite. I'm still hung up, though, on the fact that he wrote this at all. In a town of professors, doctors, and college students, Dewey was a farmer. His father was a tavern owner. But he was deeply invested in the town's affairs and wrote like a madman. Seventeen eighty was the time of the invasion upon this village by the Canada Indians, which ultimately failed. Failing of their object here, they went and attacked Royalton, Vermont slew all their cattle and two of the citizens and carried several others into captivity. They burned the houses and all other buildings in a general conflagration. The story we just heard about the Indian invasion is obviously told from the perspective of an early settler. Dartmouth history professor Colin Calloway clarified that this story refers to a British Indian raid during the American Revolution. Some historians argue that the presence of native students at Dartmouth actually prevented and diverted attacks on Hanover. Dewey lived alongside Native Americans his entire life, and his stories reveal a complex relationship between the two groups. At times they fought, at times they peacefully cohabited, but they did see themselves as two distinct groups of people living on the same land. One morning, several small children were playing around the well in front of Reed Hall when one girl accidentally fell into it. 
The alarm was instantly sounded and several persons were promptly on the spot, but no one seemed to know what to do. An Indian, Louis Vincent, happened just in time to be some distance off and running towards the spot inquired what was the trouble and getting an answer told them to clear the way. Some 20 rods from the well, running at the top of his speed, he caught the swinging bucket in his hand and leaped into the well and let himself down. Within five minutes, the girl was out on solid ground again. A small contusion between her shoulders was all the injury she received. We witnessed the agility and mental sagacity of the Indian that day. When the river closed for the winter, the Indian youths of the school obtained permission to spend an afternoon and amuse themselves at skating. The faculty of the college and several other persons accompanied them to enjoy the sport by witnessing their activity. One Indian, more daring than the rest, would sail up to the edge of a glade upon one foot and cut off a strip of the ice and then dart away. This he had successfully done a few times, but the last time he made a misstep and went down and out of sight. So long too out of sight that the people present there were in despair of ever seeing him again and were preparing to leave for home. When the supposed dead creature rose up at the edge of the ice and by his Indian elasticity threw himself onto the ice and bounded onto his feet with a hoop. The other Indians darted after him and continued their skating in the residue of the afternoon. Dewey at times admires the native people. They are sagacious and agile, but he also calls them creatures and brutal invaders. His writings are representative of his time, though, and the complex relationship between Native Americans and European settlers. For a more holistic history of the subject of Dartmouth College and Native Americans, I recommend The Indian History of an American Institution, written by Colin Calloway, a history professor here at the college. The last book we have from Dewey is a collection of essays written on topics ranging from religion, ethics, and science to Lafayette's recent visit to the U.S., and even one just titled Happiness. As much as there is to say on those topics, Dewey's essay collection is way outnumbered by his journals on Hanover history, the contemporary happenings of the town, and what's responsible for all the ill college students this winter. He even has three sketchbooks full of his drawings of Dartmouth Hall, Reed Hall, houses and stores around Hanover. Dewey found a lot of beauty in this town. He had a lot to say and care about here in Hanover. And I think that's all we can really say for sure. I have been requested to enter some reminiscences of our village, and I cheerfully comply. William Worthington Dewey. This episode was produced by Anindu Rentala, a junior at the college. Tales of the Old Burying Ground is funded by the Dartmouth College 250th Celebration. 
Executive produced by Ilana Grellard and Colleen Goodhue. With original music by Bill Gezi.